0: right i was going to turn it into an eco resort and everyone's like no you're crazy you can't do that how can you make a massive 1000 room inclusive resort eco it's impossible eco is only little boutique chic places in little mountains or whatever i'm like no no Eco, we, we, we all must care about the environment because we are an extension of, of the world with a consciousness. We are part of nature. We are an extension of nature. Everything in us is just an extension of nature. We should all care for nature. It shouldn't just be for the wealthy or for whoever. Or, you know, It needs to be everyone.
1: You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 227. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Well, hello veggie lovers, welcome back to Veggie Doctor Radio. I have quite an interesting episode for you today. It's a little different, actually a lot different from my typical episode. Today I have interviewed Alex Ferry, who is the CEO and founder of Palmaya, the house of Aya, in Mexico, which is a vegan resort. So you're going to learn all about that. But let me tell you more about Alex. So, Alex Ferry is a passionate entrepreneur who has founded many projects, from Charlie's Vegan Tacos, a vegan taco franchise in Mexico and Miami, to a review app for guests to review hotels while they are staying at them, which he founded in 2013. Alex also owned and operated Sandos hotels and resorts for many years. In contrast to Sandos, Palmaya is the first time. Alex has been able to build exactly what he would want out of a resort modeled after his own lifestyle. He is a vegan and fiercely passionate about sustainability and how our eating behaviors impact the environment. He created Palmaya to be a gathering point to welcome like-minded individuals, create community and help people discover the unknown through the sound and wellness programming. It sounds super fascinating. It sounds like an amazing place to visit. I would love to visit someday. So I'll keep you updated if I go. But in this episode, we talk about his journey into veganism, which is quite interesting, his entrepreneurial journey as well, how he got kicked out of school when he was 10 years old, and what that prompted after that. And then we talk about his resort, Palmaia, the house of Aia, why he created it, who it's created for, what his guests are typically like, why they're visiting the resort, what his favorite feature is of the resort and what it was like opening a resort right before the global pandemic, because he opened it in January of 2020. If you're interested in that and want to hear more about it, then definitely listen to this episode. And I thank you for being a loyal listener. And if you're first time on Veggie Doctor Radio, thank you so much. I hope that you will explore all the different episodes I have. And also feel free to check out some of the freebies I have at dryami.com forward slash free because we're creating playlists now, which are really helpful, especially if you're a parent and you would like to see all the episodes I've done that are pertaining to children and families, then you can find that in that list of freebies, and we're going to be creating more and more playlists like that, that will help you navigate the podcast and all of the amazing resources that are on here. Again, thank you so much for being a listener on Veggie Doctor Radio. I hope that you enjoy this episode, and now let's welcome Alex Ferry. Hello, Alex Ferry, and welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio.
0: Dr. Yami, lovely to meet you.
1: Well, I'm so happy to have you here, and we're going to be talking about some interesting things, the resort that you've created, but before we get there, I want to hear about your vegan journey. I'm curious, when and why did you adopt veganism, and also, how do you define veganism for yourself?
0: Yeah, I guess everyone's got their own version of their their journey and their story, right? Mine started probably around 15 years ago. So um, I just moved to Mexico and we could probably talk about that later because that's got a lot to do with how I created Palmaya. But um, my journey started when I went to LA to see some friends of mine who, was stay- who were living in um, Silver Lake, obviously, you know, a vegan center now, but that was 15 years ago. And uh, there were friends of mine who moved from Spain and they were always into alternative medicine and and, and interesting food, like stuff, stuff I didn't know about because I used to eat uh, normal but when you define normal for me I, I came from the Mediterranean so my normal diet was always mostly fish vegetables and things like that I was never really a large meat consumer anyway probably just barbecues and I never really ordered in a restaurant but when I was a friend's houses they do barbecues and things like that but anyway I got to his house in Silver Lake and it was in the mountains then I walked into the kitchen and the guy was like had like a tray of almonds in a thing and he had this little thing and he was blending stuff with a Vitamix, which I didn't even know what they were at the time. I go, I go, what the hell are you doing? Said, no, cause you know, I'm, I'm, I've soaked the almonds and they, they're going to sprout and they'll activate the enzymes and they're going to dehydrate them. When I dehydrate them, I'm going to rehydrate them again. and I'm going to put them in his bag and I can make almond milk. And I'm like, what are you talking about, please? So anyway, he had this massive conversation about what, about um, raw food. Cause he was a raw food at the time. And anyway, the conclusion is that they gave me the China study. Obviously, I think a lot of people. <clears throat> that book has been a, a breaker for many people, and for me it was too. So they gave me the China study. I came back to Mexico. I ploughed through it. I've always been really interested in health, anyway. And I read through it, and making it was pretty clear that um, obviously meat, as such, um, wasn't good for you. No, I mean the whole book is. I think mean, you can all read the book, and I think most people have done. <clears throat> I think what what's interesting also to point out is like the, the the book is very black and white. So for example, it says meat in general is bad for you, but the, um, my only critique of it would be that, for example, it doesn't say what type of meat, no? Because I think it's a big difference between mass processed industrial meat put into these little packages that you cut as synthetic meat, as maybe pasture-grown meat in the mountains, or maybe the meat, the, the Maasai Mara hunt in Africa, or whatever, no? So there wasn't that comparison, but the, the statistical differences were pretty significant. So anyway, I stopped eating meat, and I started on this journey, and uh, after eating meat, I then gave up sugar, um because uh, i mean I, I grew up i'm half english half spanish so i grew up in england well i grew up in spain but i was expelled from school when i was 10. my mother sent me to boarding school for 10 years so anyway in boarding school in england every time you eat you have a dessert and not that you go, but you go to a shop to buy anything and the sweets everywhere so you pump up on sugar all the time so i was pretty much addicted to sugar so um what i noticed with the, with um, when i stopped eating sugar as milk as cheese as anything is that it takes about, it took me about six months to lose that like desire to eat. You know, like when I stopped eating meat as well, for six months I'd be in restaurants and some friends would be eating maybe a filet mignon. I'd be looking at it, going, you know, maybe I should have a bite or whatever, you know. And uh, what I learned afterwards was that um, the, these addictions aren't, um, you know, it's your brain that sends the signal, but it's really your microbiome that sends the signal to your brain because what happens is obviously the the, the the gut bacteria you have inside of you is composed of whatever you eat so if i'm eating uh, lots of meat then the bacteria that was on the cow that was in the land that then goes into my stomach is in my is in my bacteria once that level of bacteria your body's used to starts to go down it says a signal to the brain to replenish it so the replenishment of that bacteria is eat more meat so it took me six months to um stop eating sugar and um I used to carry around a bag of dates. So I'd be out at meetings and I was like, I'd like I'd pull out a measurable date and start eating it and that would calm the uh the uh addiction down, let's call it whatever you want to call it. Anyway, the last thing I stopped eating was Parmesan cheese. And that was the hardest one for me because Parmesan, me, Mediterranean, you know, Italian food. I was I used to love cooking and Italian food was always a central part of my cooking. Um so Parmesan was probably the last one I gave up and it took me a process at the time of a year to become Fully plant based, so because um, at the time I was in Mexico, right, and there was no stuff you could buy. I mean, you had to I had to relearn to cook. I didn't have any friends who were plant based at the time here, so I had to relearn how to buy food because I didn't know what, you know nutritional yeast, amino, coconut aminos, um, chlorella, spirulina. I didn't. I was like that was like a new language for me, you know. So you've got to relearn to buy, and you have to relearn to cook as well. So it took me, a whole year to the process by myself, which is what I recommend most people. I recommend most people when they are thinking about health. Um, I recommend them to do it in baby steps because although once you like if, if the it depends also how you get the message like I got the message nutritionally first then environmentally and then ethically I think most people a lot of people get the ethical hit first they're like oh I can't so they stop cold but as you said many people have done it in different ways and you know, I really respect people who can go one day to the other I wasn't able to but um, 50 years later I, I think I've been pretty good I mean, I, I have to admit, I do sometimes, for example, nobody's perfect. I do if I'm in the Mediterranean with my friends and we're on the beach and someone gets a, fit, a local white fish and the salad and vegetables, I'll probably have a bit of white fish and salad and vegetables. If I'm in Italy, like once every two years, my friends and they're in Florence, whatever, they're having some wine and there's a piece of cheese. I might have one little piece of cheese just to remember what it used to be like or whatever. I always feel like my stomach gets destroyed the next day. So <laughs> it's clearly not good for you. And uh, yeah, that's basically how I started.
1: And so how would you describe, like, what, how do you define veganism for yourself now? So you said that you started kind of at the nutrition, but you did eventually come full circle also to the ethical side of it.
0: Yeah, I think it does. I think there's three pillars. There's um, nutritional, ethical, and environmental. And um, I think for me, I, I, I very much, uh, I have a bit of conflict with the word vegan. Because um, I had a a business before I had Palmaya, I started a taco food truck in Tulum. And we were the first pretty business like eight years ago to do vegan tacos like with meat replicas. But It was all homemade. It wasn't packaged. So what I learned with that was a lot of the how the vegan community works. And what I learned was that the biggest enemy to the vegan movement are many of the vegans themselves. Because what happens is that people get on this righteous pedestal and we start to criticize others instead of be compassionate, understanding and teach Uh, Non-violence in a loving way, not in a violent way of criticizing and pointing the finger, which I think is what um, scares people away and creates this big division, which isn't good. We have to be very careful and very meticulous almost about how we talk about uh, vegan or plant based. And for me, vegan isn't just about food. I think it's become popular over the past because, so, since I, I mean, I think over the past 10 years, maybe it's become more related to food alone because of the social media and the food sharing photos and all this. So, people say I'm vegan with the food, but that's not true. I think the word vegan is much more, much more profound. I think the word vegan really is an act of nonviolence of behalf. You know, it's an act of love. It's an act of saying to yourself, okay, I'm going to live a nonviolent life. And I believe no one can be truly vegan because we all destroy in some way or another. Uh, me, by building this hotel, I already destroyed something as well. So it's very hard to be, it's almost impossible to be nonviolent in a pure ethereal way. But what we can do is the best we can. You, know? like you can try and buy a car with no leather seats if you can, if you're lucky, if they even have an option nowadays. You can try and buy clothes with no leather. You can try and buy, you know, wood that's more um, sustainably farmed instead of destroying old growth tree forests. There are many things you can do, you know. Um, so I think, uh, vegan is living a life of nonviolence as much as we can within the matrix within which we live.
1: Yeah. I love that. I fully agree with that because I, I don't believe that anybody can be perfect at anything, it's but very there's difficult, so yeah. much suffering and there's so much destruction in the world that everything that somebody can do to decrease some of that suffering and destruction is contributing to the benefit. Right. So we, and if we point fingers and say, you're not perfect enough. For some people, like you are saying, it's going to drive them away because a lot of us are all or nothing. So you're either going to go all in and try to be perfect or you're like, screw them. I'm not going to do any of this stuff at all.
0: And what's worried me is that like health became political, which is ridiculous because health existed way before politics. What I've noticed is that this this, this, um, this uh, division between you're not vegan enough or whatever is now being used and it's become political as well. Whereas, as I say, health should never be political. Health is your given birthright and you're, you're a sovereign being and you have the choice of health, whether you whatever your ideology is, you know, it shouldn't be because you support one guy that means that your health, you you know, you're put in a box of a certain health philosophy, that's completely wrong, because everyone's on their own journey anyway. And it's almost impossible that we're all at the exact same journey. You know,
1: exactly. Well, and there's also healthism that exists, and it can be very strong in the plant based community, plant based community as well. And so um, we have to be careful that we're not judging other people because of their health status. Because no matter how great a diet you have or lifestyle you have, unfortunately, we're all still human, living in the real world, and you know sometimes we get sick. So,
0: yeah, and it, everyone's at their own level. Everyone is at their own level, and you have to respect that level. And you said if one person decides not to eat meat once, once a di- once a week, then that's a massive gain already. That's probably like a few animal, less animals dead every year, you know, so that's a, already a win, if you ask me.
1: Absolutely. Well, I was just like insanely curious about how you got expelled from school at 10. So <laughs> <laughs> tell me what, tell me that story. How did that happen?
0: Okay, what I've realized over time and uh, what I've realized is really, I've realized more why now lately because I've realized that um, I was sent to the English boarding school because my mother being English, my father Spanish, but my mother's mind through her conditioning and all the culture of England, everything is English private education is the best in the world and blah, blah, blah. So I was sent to an English boarding school where I literally had the best education, but um, one of the best. But if you ask me, what I've realized is that the entire education system in which we live is a one massive indoctrination system. And uh, the way I think is so, I think even as a kid, it seems I was completely... I was always the dumbest guy in school, the last in every report and everything. And um, what they do is there's a, as, a, as, as, as the system boxes you into that and believing that. So if you believe that, you will become that, right? So what happened was I was just in Spain. The system was too rigid and matrixy whatever you want to call it and I guess as a child I wanted to do other things I, want, I was a creative person I was like I remember used to go into my my parents like uh, garage at home I start ripping things apart and inventing pieces and putting things together so basically I, I was just bored so I just run away from school every day so I ran away from school every day and in the end the, the dean said to my mother look if you don't take him out tomorrow we're expelling him so she don't okay so she took me out
1: wow super uh, fascinating and, but you thrived at the boarding school
0: um i think i was uh aligned and disciplined so i went into more academia i started studying a bit more i was always in the uh in the dumber class let's say i was never ahead of the uh curve but um yeah i think i i mean it, it, it i did it it served its purpose it and it made me whole part of who i am today it also gave me lots of trauma who allowed me which allowed me to recognize things and heal uh at the same time because the conditioning is the boarding school suffering good for you it's all character building you know go and play rugby minus in 15 degrees in shorts and get thrown in the snow and beat up it's all good it's character building but what you don't realize is that at the time you're you know who you are is getting traumatized by all that so it also like you know everything happens for a reason right everything's perfect
1: wow that's fascinating how many languages do you speak uh five what what, so English, Spanish,
0: Spanish, English, French, Italian, and a bit of Portuguese, I guess. And I can pretty much learn quickly. So.
1: Yeah, I love it. I, I love how everybody in Europe knows like minimum three languages from, from the beginning. It's just amazing because here in the U.S., it's like English.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, my, fa- my, <laughs> my, my, my father speaks 10 languages. <gasps> Ten. And he, didn't go, he, he didn't go to school. He, was, uh, he, he ran away from school when he was 13. He started his own business from nothing. And uh, I always said to him as a kid, hey, dad, how do you speak so many languages? And he goes, my son, the best way to learn a language is in bed. So I guess he was pretty busy at the time. Oh my <laughs> gosh! scandalous. Yep. I know, I mean, he speaks, he speaks Norwegian, <laughs> Swedish, Danish, all wow. these like, you know.
1: Oh, oh yeah. Interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah. so another—it's so, another
0: way, I guess, right?
1: So you—you haven't been quite as lucky as your father, then, since you only know five I, languages. Yeah, I
0: need—I need to get busier. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness! All I right, know, I need to up okay. the game. So, so it sounds like you have a lot in common with your father, though, as far as like entrepreneurship and just personality type and the way that you see the world yeah
0: we're we're each forged but we're each forged by each of our parents right somehow and then we learn to learn to decondition from what they've taught us right
1: so yeah tell me about your entrepreneurship journey so it sounds Mm -hmm. like you've owned a restaurant i know you've done some other things too before you started your own resort
0: yeah well basically i i I, when i I studied at university in london paris and then when i left the university i was gonna work for a consultancy firm in london but then I was like, oh, I've been away from home for 14 years because I'm want really to go back to my family We're all in Spain. I was like, what do I do, like consulting firm or go and work in a family business? I was like, consulting firm, stuck in an office in London they called, go home. So I chose to go home in the end. I started working um, for my father. And he basically chucked me on the building site because we were building hotel resorts at the time because he has various businesses. That was one of them. So I spent five years in the building site, like building hotels and things. And then I didn't want to be in the business anymore. I did some sales as well for the corporate structure and things like that. And I left the business and I started my own furniture company in and. Through four, three, four. And what I do is I spend three months a year in Asia, um, de- de- um, going to manufacturers, designing furniture and decoration and things, importing them to Europe and wholesaling them around Europe and things. And that went bankrupt in 2006, and six seven because of the housing crisis. If people aren't buying furniture, then obviously they're not buying, sorry, they're not buying homes, they're not buying furniture, right? So that, I closed that down and I, I didn't really know what to do. And also, my parents had separated. There was a drama in the family a few years ago. And at the time, um, when they separated, my father kept um, his side of the business and my mother was assigned the hospitality side. So someone needed to take over the hospitality side. I've already been to Mexico many times before. The majority of the business is here. So I decided to move to Mexico in December 2007. I came on vacation with about 20 friends. We enjoyed Christmas and New Year together. They all left and I stayed. And the business at the time was um, Sandos Hotels, which is a, where they're a large, all inclusive resorts, like a thousand rooms, you know, fun activities and all these sorts of things nonstop. And I started um, running those. And I obviously, my philosophy in life was different to my father's. My father's just, you know, survival business, business, money, money, money. And mine was different. Mine was more, I cared more the environment. Uh, it's, 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 uh, you know, I think the. the the social aspect and you know basically i think uh just chasing profit is a very myopic view of business you should chase many things at once that can bring many good to everyone else now so my idea was to convert the business as much as i could into something that created good and um the relevant story for that really is that we have one resort called Sandos caracol which is a beautiful like nature mangroves and i, and I decided in 2000 and it was 2010, to turn it, name it uh, an eco resort, right? I was going to turn it into an eco resort. And everyone's like, no, you're crazy. You can't do that. How can you make a massive 1,000 room inclusive resort eco? It's impossible. Eco is only little boutique chic places in little mountains or whatever. I'm like, no, no, eco, we we all must care about the environment because we are an extension of, of the world with a consciousness. We are part of nature. We are an extension of nature. Everything in us is just an extension of nature. We should all care for nature. It shouldn't just be for the wealthy or for whoever or, you know, it needs to be everyone. So I done this project, and what we did is we decided to create this, a concept where it's called the All Nature Experience. And it involved 58 different activities that you do every day involved in nature, like mind survival, jogging in the jungle, macro photography. There were lots of different activities people could do within the hotel. We cleared all the rivers up and did all these beautiful routes everywhere. And in the evening, we created shows that were based on Mexican culture and the Mayans and things, and they all integrated and they invited people the next day to explore nature. And it was it was really beautiful. And what happened was that we were doing this for like eight years, you know. And we were actually the first resort in the world to eliminate plastic water bottles in 2011, I think. Imagine when no one was even thinking of that. And anyway, um, we we're, This is about 2007. We've been doing this for seven years. We've been pushing this, and we got. I have my team. I've got my creative director, who's incredible. He's been with me for 15 years as well. And I've got this little team of guys who execute everything with, around me. I have the vision, and these guys, without them, I wouldn't be able to do it. And uh, we were sitting together, we were looking at everything and we are like, this is crazy. Look, Instagram, we put a photo of this monkey we rescued. We had him for three months. We put him back in the jungle. We posted a video on in Instagram and we got like 26 likes. What, what's wrong with people? Don't people care? And then the next photo would be a guest with a, a, a glass of beer with a hotel name on the beach. They take a photo of it and they get 8,000 likes. And we'd be like, this isn't working. This isn't working. We can't spoof feed people ecology. People don't care. So that day, we decided to have a meeting the next day where we were going to change it all. Okay, let's just let's see what we're going to. We're not going to push eco anymore. We'll do something else. Because this is too much effort. We were doing so much work. It was really. We were pretty drained after seven years of trying to like push environmental factors. You know, and you get people to wake up a bit. You know. Anyways, so I went to sleep. Woke up in the morning, and an email come came in my inbox. Like, bing. I was like, huh. Expedia Environmental Awards and it was Earth Day and what Expedia had done is they'd um, analyzed more than 8 million reviews from hotels around the world so there were 80 million it was a crazy huge amount and they um, through AI they took all the comments of like saying this is the most sustainable eco referring to nature so basically our hotel was number one in the world we've been chosen as number one in the world of the, all the hotels we were the only hotel in all of the Americas and all the other eco hotels were little tiny boutique ones in the Philippines and these places like that so I printed the email, took it into the office. I was like, guys, we've got to keep going. We've got to keep going. Let's keep going.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, it's like, it reminds me of that feeling that you get where you want to give up right before something big happens you know it yeah, just like yeah, feels yeah. so grueling but if you just hold out
0: the same thing happened with the taco food truck Because the food truck we opened i opened a few years before with charlie who i met in one of my hotels he'd like been head of lots of, he'd been head of chef for lots of steakhouses houses in mexico city he didn't want to what he changed and he went to work in cabo i met him there and we spoke about the idea of he never really knew what plant-based was so i spoke about it he started trying plant-based himself and then we spoke about the idea of like what's the best way to get people to eat less meat okay not eliminate meat, get people to eat less meat. So the idea was to create food that was so tasty that um, people would eat it and not care that they're not eating the meat. So we, so we created what was called Charlie's Vegan Tacos. And um, what happened was that uh, we opened it in Tulum the first year. And for one whole year, we were selling maximum $200 a day. Wow! It was a disaster. It was like vegan tacos. Everyone thought, what's that? Lettuce and kale. So anyway, that happened. And, and then what happened was oh, after a year, November came, which was the high season. And obviously the few people are gone to been sharing it and telling everyone about it. And November came and suddenly, boom, everyone arrived when it became high season. And we I mean, it started working and we expanded it. Uh, we opened one in Miami and then we ended up close it down because during COVID, um, we couldn't find any workforce for it. So we just closed it down at the end. And Charlie was joining me anyway in Palmyra. So um, this is a far larger project where you're going to do much more uh, impact anyway.
1: Wow. Well, you've definitely had a lot of experience in in entrepreneurship.
2: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
1: So tell me about the House of IE event. So it's, Palmaia, the House of Aya. How did that come about?
0: So that came about because I was already, um, by by 2018, when um, the, all this change happened in the other resort, I was already building this resort, but it was going to be an extension of the Santos I had. Like it was going to be an extension of the inclusive I had. Um, what I did is i I taken, um, um, we'd have this, this is the first land piece of land my father bought 25 years ago in Mexico. But um, I'd been so busy refurbishing all the others and doing so many things, I never got time to, to, to deal with it. And also I kind of like, Almost wanted to leave it virgin by itself. But in the end, I had too much pressure from all the show. Everyone, I had to do something. So we were going to do it. So the best thing I could do at the time was I changed the environmental permit because the original permit was 14 buildings It involved destroying the entire piece of land and just doing cement. And it was going to be like your typical resort. No? So I spent five years changing the environmental permit. I eventually changed it and I made uh, seven buildings, which meant that we only occupied um, 30% of the space, which for me was a massive win at the time. So I started building it and I'd been working with a guy called Carlos, who was my architect for five years. He became a complete friend to me. He was almost a spiritual guide as well. He'd done these incredible spiritual journeys. I mean, you know, he'd done these crazy peyote j- journeys in the in in the Mexican desert where he spent days there. And he's a very spiritual guy. He's amazing. And uh, we started building this and it was in like a cement structure. And in 2018, early 2018, late 2017, um, he had an accident and he went into a coma. Right. So I was like, I was like, no, okay, stop guys. We're not going to do this without him. So we said, well, I'll wait for him until he recovers. So anyway, nine months passed and he eventually passed away. So I was like, shit, what do I do now? So anyway, what happened basically, all I can say is that what happened from that moment for one and a half years till opening was literally divine intervention. Because basically everything just uh, kind of downloaded through me, the name, what to do. And then I realized I wanted to do something that reflected my lifestyle and not the family business. I wanted to do something that changed the world. I wanted to do something that reflected everything I believed in. And every single—and also I built it with no architects. So I just started doing it myself. And imagine the destiny that I've already been five years building hotels uh, 20 years ago. So I literally built hotels without plans. So I basically got a bunch of architects with me. I started drawing everything out on paper. They were putting it in plans. And we just did it as we went along. And everything just happened exactly when it had to happen for it to um, open. It was unbelievable. Every person. I remember one day when I was with my my creative director, Abby, and we were like, "Damn, we need an artist to paint that wall. What are we gonna do?" We got an email, and suddenly this this, this Slavic girl is lost in Mexico. She's lost her permit, and she's an artist, and she needs a way to, way out. We're like, "Okay, call her." So we interviewed her, and she's still the girl here giving art lessons. I mean, literally everything happened when it had to happen. And also, um, there's no coincidence that. Um, I called it the house of Aya, Aya being a short term for ayahuasca, as I later discovered, because my daughter, one of my daughters is also called Alaya, and my life seems to be full of ayahs everywhere. And uh, basically this became the house of aya through, as I said, divine intervention, I think, literally. Anyway, and then what one of the this I'll lead this leads on to one of the other questions you'll probably have, which is how did I deal two months probably opening before COVID hit, right? Because I opened two months before.
1: Yeah, that was my next question because you opened like in January of 2020, right?
0: Yeah. So honestly, again, it was divine intervention. It was a godsend for me. Why? Because we were so, I was so busy improvising and doing everything that once I opened this, I was so drained and destroyed. The last three months almost killed me, I think. And anyway, I opened it. But normally when you open these resorts, you launch it two years before because you have all the marketing material, you have all the photos, you have all the... So I hadn't had time to do any of that. So we literally opened with no menus. So, basically, we opened and the chefs were just doing whatever people wanted. You know, what do you want to eat? Okay, we'll start doing that. So, basically, this, this cool-down period of of COVID, like, gave me time to solidify the product. And um, I think we ended up, I think, I'm um, let's call, cool. for the past six months, it's been as it has to be now. And I've been dedicating myself to, like, getting out to the world, sales pitches, talking, you know, going to events and, and and everywhere, and basically selling it now. Because for two years, I couldn't sell it because no one was traveling or willing to travel.
1: Yeah. Do you feel like there's, have you seen in Mexico a rebound of travel? We just recently went to the UK and I feel like it was just packed, just like people everywhere. Are you seeing the same thing in Mexico?
0: Yeah, it's crazy. It's so busy. Yeah, me too. I was there. It's out of control. Yeah. And this, yeah, Mexico has been busy since the month after lockdown, basically. Here there was no COVID, basically. Everyone just filled it up, and it was just, everyone was here. It was unbelievable. That's, yeah. That was the
1: refuge, Mexico. Yeah, yeah seriously, <laughs> everyone was escaping
0: to here, and everyone was here. Yeah, yeah. And everyone was here, and it was, it was fine. It was amazing.
1: So, the resort is in Tulum?
0: No, the resort is south of Playa del Carmen. So, Playa okay. del Carmen is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a, have you been here before?
1: I've been to Playa del Carmen. It's okay, so Playa del Carmen is, is basically
0: a, an urban little city, but basically, it kind of like has a very defined end and beginning. And at the end, the because it becomes virgin jungle. So we're like at the end, like surrounded by 400 acres of jungle. So the most amazing thing is that for me is that you're walking along and you've got these beautiful jungles and then you walk bit and you go into these dunes and you go into the ocean. So all these ecosystems kind of feel like they're hugging you as you're here, which is really nice.
1: That's cool. So how has the resort been doing and what are you proudest of at, after building this resort? What What part of it do you like the most?
0: I think I like the most the fact that we are changing people's lives. I mean, the ultimate purpose for me is um, to help people, to heal and whatever I can. I mean, healing can come in, come in many forms, as I say to people. Healing could be just maybe being a week with no cell phone, you know? That could be healing for someone. So healing comes on many levels. I think here we're doing some really profound healing and the people that embrace the product and look, and just I just want people to come here. You're curious about health, curious about what's next, you know? And I think we've created this amazing structure um, where people can... Uh, let go of their barriers and just explore and discover new ways of living, you know, which is really nice. And if you look at the reviews, it's really beautiful for me to see people like leaving here changed, which is amazing.
1: Yeah. So what are, what's the typical guest? Who, who is this resort for? Hey, are you kind of curious about microgreens and including microgreens in your diet, but you're not sure where to start and you're not sure how to do it. I love my Hamama microgreen grower. It's so easy. It's so convenient. So this is how it works. Basically, they send you the kit and it has this little seed quilt, okay? And then you soak the seed quilt in the water. And in a few days, you see your tiny little baby sprouts growing. And a few days after that, you can start eating them. And it's so fun. And you can tell them that you're eating them. And they're really happy that you're eating them. And your body's really happy that you're eating them. But here's the best part because I've told y'all before, I'm lazy. So I don't want to have to use any mental energy that I don't need to. And they send you seed quilts every month. So you don't run out. You can change what seed quilts you want to try. So here's some examples of some of the seed quilts they have. Hearty broccoli, refreshing cabbage, energizing kale, spicy daikon radish, super salad mix. You can even get wheatgrass. You can get culinary cilantro or even hot wasabi mustard. So there's lots to choose from. They have different flavors. they so cute and they're health promoting so you can get a good dose of antioxidants and it's really beautiful i also use them for garnish when i'm making soups and salads and different bowls you can impress your guests but like i said it's going to be low energy cost on your part and it's actually not that expensive either the other thing that I use from Hamama is a green onion growing kit which is really cool because it can decrease your food waste so you buy the green onions and then the little part that has the root the white part at the bottom you stick it in these little holes and you just put the water in there and it grows and then you can keep eating the same green onions you just go with your little scissors and you chop it off and you put it into your food so if you want to give it a try you've been curious about Microgreens and different ways that you can grow your own food, check out Hamama. You can find it in my show notes for a link to get 15% off, or you can go to dryami.com forward slash shop so that you can find the link and get 15% off your first order. Happy growing! Do you love Veggie Doctor Radio, but you're sick of listening to ads? Join the Planscription. The Planscription is a monthly membership where you have access to ad-free episodes of Veggie Doctor Radio every week. But that's not all. You also have access to a monthly live Q&A with me and a monthly live book club. You also get access to writings and musings and free giveaways it is such a great deal right now it's only five dollars a month to join the planscription if you want to join go to planscription.substack.com or go to the show notes to follow the link join the planscription today and join me in this fantastic community
0: when i when i built it um i was building it for the people who I chased the American dream, but then realized that that doesn't bring happiness. I'd met so many people in America who had made so much money, and they were just all miserable, you know. And so many people were stuck in this rat race, and they were trying to buy the buy the latest car, the latest watch, like latest this. And they've all reached this point where they realize that this doesn't bring happiness. It's just a dopamine shot, you know. I need to activate the serotonin somehow, right? They're all like, they're at this point where they don't know what to do. They're in, they're changing. I think this is this was built for people like that. So I think it's an amazing people who are looking for the next step in their um, personal growth, but mainly it's built for, um, I think there's nowhere in the world really where you can go and enjoy a proper, like a typical vacation where you're on the beach, you've got the pool, you've got fun activities, but it's it's put into a health structure, right? Uh, I call it progressive wellness here. So basically what you do is like a, it's not the right word to use, but it's like a retreat on steroids really. Right. So basically here we have everything you can imagine from any retreat in one place. And, um, what it is, it's basically it's a health system centered around healthy food with a support structure around it, which just happens to be the resort. And the resort's comprised of, comprised of many different experiences, which are included in the price you pay. So you've got all these, what we call the architect, architects of life, which is the um, uh, holistic program, which starts in the morning and fades out in the mid-afternoon, which are like 29 different activities every week you can do. Uh, you've got yoga, you've got sound healing, you've got gravity control, you've got, there's lots of, you can see them all on the internet anyway. And um, then in the afternoon, we start with music, like in the afternoon, because I think music's very healing. I mean, you know, what's better than dancing on the beach with your friends and laughing, right? So music, we have music programs, electronic music with deep fusion, with acoustic overlays and things happening in the evenings. And then we're going to, when it gets busy, we'll start doing special events as well. And uh, hopefully festivals and summits and things like that.
1: That sounds so fun. It sounds really great. What percent of your guests would identify as vegan? Do you feel like it attracts a high amount of vegans or just people that are kind of curious about it?
0: I think curious about it, which is the best thing because they're the people we can have the most impact on. Um, I thought this would be vegan heaven when I built it, but obviously not. Because <laughs> my biggest problem in life was traveling vegan, right? I was like, where do I go? Where can I eat? I want to go somewhere where I can eat vegan and not be the afterthought, right? Because everywhere you go, you've got the menu and you always have to choose the option. The option is usually just some grilled vegetables inside a taco or some grilled vegetables, a with some pasta. And it's so boring, no? So here we do it the other way around. Here, all our menus are plant-based with some non-vegan options. So, and the reason we offer non-vegan options is because I said, before, because of compassion because everyone's at a different level of their health journey, right? Not everyone's fully vegan yet. So I need people to be able to come here to explore other things, like not just, not just health, but their consciousness and their body, you know, the, the, the energetic healing things. All these things need to be explored, but you might not be there on your health journey yet, and it might not necessarily be the diet they have. So I think that's important. Also, I think it's re- important to respect... Uh, the mainstream science. Uh, as you know, mainstream science, there are not many long-term food studies because they take like 25 to 35 years to do. They cost hundreds of millions. So there's only about four or five interesting ones, I think. And they all say they're pretty much the same thing, that like plant-based, vegetarian and Mediterranean are the healthiest diets in that order. But m- what most of them seem to have in common is that you can eat up to 85% plant-based and have 100% of the benefits. And I think the reason being is because they haven't done a study that's long enough yet that shows the statistical uh, difference in that. So I think it's important for us to respect the mainstream science, to respect people's journey on, and also to be compassionate as to, um, you know, maybe a girl's coming who's yoga and vegan, but the guy wants to eat steak, you know? I want her to enjoy the experience as well. And who knows, he might even start to discover his journey here as well. So I think giving living in this gray area is important because it can attract more people in to do more good
1: well it looks like the food is amazing do you find that people are surprised by how good the plant-based food is and- everyone
0: is yeah yeah everyone's also i'm super obsessed with food I've, i love cooking I'm, i've got if you look over here i've got my fermenting jars right behind me fermenting <laughs> food so there's, there's always that i love cooking. i'm completely obsessed by food perfection so i'm always on top of them all i'm in the kitchen i'm with the guys and I'm very meticulous. It took me like two months just to get them to the sushi rice correctly, for example. So um, I think, yeah, the food is really good. And I travel around the world. And I can probably say easily that we have some of the best plant-based food in the world.
1: Amazing. All right. Well, I want to shift gears a little bit and ask you, what do you wish more people knew?
0: I wish more people knew that health is easy it's not as complicated as people make it health. What I try and teach people upon my with the experience is that you can enjoy life and be healthy at the same time. Most people think be, being healthy is a sacrifice, right? Um, it's, and also the marketing, like all these bombardments of buy the machine, buy that machine, buy that supplement. It's like supplements everywhere, vitamins everywhere. It's just, it just confuses you in the end. It's not that complicated, you know? Um, one thing that's interesting for me is that I think this is an analogy I use a lot, which is most people, when they think they're going to go on vacation, just the default vacation, you immediately think, oh, I'm going to eat as much as I want because I'm going to be on vacation, right? And then you know by that that, you, oh, I'm going to eat, so I'm going to put on weight. And then you say to yourself and you're like, okay, but it's okay because I'll do a diet when I get home. But my question is, how many people really do a diet? Probably 10% maybe, maybe, right? Because once you get home, you've got the kids, you got to work it everything. But as we know, also diets don't work. Because 85% of people who do a diet weigh more than they did before the diet, after the diet, because it's restrictive. So they start eating again afterwards, they put on more weight, and then in in this endless loop, right? So what we do here is that imagine you can be on vacation, you can enjoy life, you can enjoy music, you can do adventures outside of the hotel, you can be on the beach, you can eat incredible, and you can be healthy and probably lose weight. I think most people who come here who eat as much as they want probably lose weight unless they're not already um, slim themselves. Yeah, because as you know, eating fiber fills you up and it's less nutrition than the normal diet. So by default, you're taking in less nutrients because we don't need as many anyway. So you just lose weight automatically by eating plant-based anyway.
1: Yeah, reduced calorie density. But at the same time, you can eat ad libitum, eat as much as you want, feel satisfied, be able to tune into your body. And so it's a win-win situation for most people. But I think what you're getting at also is the fact that we kind of live life unsustainably and why not just choose habits that you can sustain all the time, whether you're at home or whether you're traveling instead of always feeling like you have to do this, like binge restrict, you know, like I'm just going to restrict myself. And then if I'm on vacation, I'm going to eat whatever, overindulge, probably not feel great while you're vacationing because you're overstuffed and not feeling good. And then, you know, that cycle over and over and over again.
0: I think that accompanies really the way we're living, because what happens is we're as you know we're we're living the story of disconnect with nature. So as we disconnect from nature, we're also disconnected with food. We're disconnecting with real music. We're disconnecting with so many things. It's the story of disconnection, but we need to, you know, it's a story of separation from our, our our essence, right? So I think the more we connect with nature, the more you start eating healthy anyway because the more you learn about nature, you realize about, you learn about soil, the bacteria and the fungi and the importance of that in creating the amino acids and the plants and health and soil health and atmospheric health and it all kind of accompanies each other. So once, once you start that journey to caring about the world, you start caring about yourself as well. But really, to care about the world, you need to care about yourself. So it's kind of a, loop somehow we need to um close right but i think there are many exits onto that loop that you can then start yeah it's positive different feedback ways of getting cycle for sure yeah, there's many ways of getting there i think
1: all right do you have a morning routine
0: um i don't have all these crazy routines like a lot of people what i do is i do some dry brushing i do uh when i wash my teeth i do, I do tongue scraping um i do exercise maybe three four times a week um I do varied exercise. So I'll do tennis, yoga, primal move, running. I I vary exercises, maybe swimming as well. Um, But mainly I I fast as well. So I do normally I try and do every week, Monday and Tuesday, no eating. So I do two days of no eating every week if I can. If if I'm traveling, obviously I can't do it. And then every three, six months, I do about two or three weeks of no eating as well.
1: Wow. Do you do that by yourself unsupervised?
0: Yep. Yep. All good. (laughs) You're still alive. So I guess it's working. Yeah, yeah, I got my own method. I haven't
1: ever done this on my podcast before because I'm trying really hard to avoid all the isms. Yes. But what is your age? 46. Wow. Okay. I'm like I said, I'm not, I'm like not trying to be judgmental about age. But (laughs) for those that are listening, Alex looks like he's in his 20s. And so whenever you started talking about, (laughs) you started talking about working when you're already, you know, so early, I was like, wait, this, this math is not adding up already being (laughs) vegan for 15 years. That's amazing. You're older than me. You look like 20 years younger than me. So that's incredible.
0: Thank you. Well, I think it's, as I said, I think, I don't know, I don't know if it's, it is what it is, but it's just, as I said, it's simple in the end. And basically my, my philosophy has always been my body's my temple, but mainly avoid every single toxin you can. Right.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. All right. Anything else that you, circling back to your resort, what else would you like to have my listeners know about the resort? How can we connect with you? How can they find it? Book their next day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, um, you can find us on Instagram, obviously, under the House of Aya and also webpage of thehouseofaia.com. And I'd say that anyone who's curious about um, health and wants to um, learn more or wants to just live a unique experience or just wants to carry on their health journey, I think we're the perfect place, really, and there's no, I really believe at the moment there's nowhere else in the world, and I've really traveled a lot, been to a lot of places, and I, the idea with this place was for it to be unique, and currently, I think it's unique in the world.
1: I love it. Well, I hope I get to visit someday. I think that would Please be great. Please do. Okay, last question. Leave my listeners with your best tip for traveling as a vegan.
0: As in the journey itself or when you get there? Traveling
1: the world. Yeah. Like what what would be like your best tip since you've definitely been all over the yeah. place? What do you think I is think, a good thing to know?
0: I think the good thing to know is that um, obviously you steer away from airplane, airplane and airport food. Always take your own. Always, Especially for kids, always pack your own food. And a good tip for kids is as you can't take liquids and things. You can do like a, a oatmeal and, and lots of different things in it. And then you just add some water on the plane. And that's a nice little like porridge oatmeal for the kids if you have kids. And it's also light if you don't put the water and liquids in. And I think traveling the world, what I've discovered is that the best plant-based food is at normal restaurants. And you have to be able to go in there and, and veganize them. Yes. You know, so you have to like ask questions, ask what they have in them. And if you can veganize a few things, it's. Uh, I think you can find pretty amazing things around the world, especially in Asia. Yeah. Asia's got absolutely. some amazing things you can have like that.
1: Yeah. And I think the longer you're vegan, the more experience you have, the better you are at doing that at restaurants you become like a menu ninja (laughs) you're like okay i want you to put together this and this and this and this (laughs) and make my plate that way
0: yeah i also say that local knowledge is essential so the most amazing thing is if you can find a friend who has a friend who lives in one of the cities you're going and local knowledge is invaluable because instead of trying lots of different places or wasting time they can direct you so always try and find someone who lives somewhere first get the connection and get some recommendations because then you waste less time otherwise you can It's always disappointing to go and have a meal and not enjoy it and you're wasting valuable time and you haven't got that much time on holiday normally.
1: Yeah, awesome. Alex, it's been really great getting to know you. So thank you so much for sharing your journey and telling us about your resort. And I hope that my listeners that are curious about it will look it up and book their next day. And hopefully I will in the future as well. So thank you so much. And I hope that you have a very fantastic day.
0: Please do. Look forward to seeing you here. Thank you very much. (laughs)